Hi, this is uh, Lee from Prince Party UK, and this is the PP UK podcast. Uh, I have the pleasure of interviewing Sam Jennings, uh, art director and webmaster for Prince between 1998 and 2007. Did I get that right? Yes. Yes. That's right. uh, not that I've been cyber stalking you or anything like that. <laughs> but I do have uh, my Paisley Park mug here. Well, and, I know, right. and I believe uh, we both have a, a big fan of uh, Star Wars going by your Instagram account. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did you join the Prince world? How did it all come about? Um, how did the sure. journey start? Yeah, so uh, in the 90s, when I was in college, the internet was just becoming a thing. And so I kind of latched onto it and started getting into web design and, and trying to figure it out and used it to connect to other Prince fans, especially living in Chicago, where I was from. So um, building websites, building fan websites, Prince fan websites, connecting with other Prince fans. That's really what I was doing a lot on the internet in the 90s. And so Prince at that time was very interested in the internet and especially, you know, his usual thing about going around the record labels and connecting directly to fans. And so he, he just started to try and experiment with that. And uh, one of his first projects was Love for One Another charity website and he got a bunch of fans together to work on that together. And uh, I was part of one of the groups that uh, was working on that site. And eventually, um, it like I was pretty much the only one who was doing web design full time. Yeah. So when the time came for him to move on to another project, he pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, I have other ideas about selling music and, um, using the internet more as a distri distribution tool instead of just the charity stuff. Uh, would you help me work on the, on that? And so that's when we started doing MPG online LTV and then MPG music club. So that's really how it started. I just kind of knew fans in the community, um, who are work, you know, through doing web design and, um, yeah, got connected that way. Um, I should have really give you the heads up before the interview, but, um, my background is web design, graphic design, um, and prints, uh, and his websites and some of your work was a, a big influence on me and the career path that I took. Um, and awesome. I was very, yeah, I was very, very lucky, but I always loved what he done and what he envisioned. And, um, yeah, I, I did a degree in graphic design and web design and I ended up working in the video game industry. Uh, but you saying about building websites and connecting with Prince fans, that's currently my, my, my job <laughs> at the moment is, you know, connecting with Prince fans and, and, you know, we've built, we've been very lucky. We've built up a really good community now. And what I've done from all the Prince stuff is I've built my skill set up by doing all, all of the stuff on this, you know, as a, as a fan and it's helped me immensely. So when we talked about, Oh, who, who would we like to interview for the podcast? You was like top of my list. And I was worried as like, if I spoke to you, I would be like, I would, I was worried that we would end up talking about flash files and <laughs> Adobe and, you know, HTML and, right. but everyone said, Oh no, you'd be the best person to, to speak to him about. So um, but yeah, I, I, I loved a lot of your work, so I'm a huge fan. So, oh, thank you. Apologize. I apologize if I geek out at all. So, <laughs> that's awesome. That's but um, thank you. MPG Music Club, that would it was 
it was so ahead of its time and and this is the 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 discussions that i've had within the community that he was just so far ahead and you know one of the first artists to sell his music online you know streaming uh, his music videos online how was it for you to to do that and how did your skill set evolve from that mm -hmm. yeah so um you know, a lot of people kind of forget the context of when the MPG Music Club started. You know, it was, uh, we were living in a, a post-Napster world where people were very afraid of file sharing and the record labels in particular were very afraid of file sharing and there was a very big um, anti-internet push going on where people just, and this is before iTunes even, this is before yeah. iPods, before all that. So you know, people hadn't really figured it out yet how best to use the internet. And so, you know, Prince, you know, of course, for a long time at that point, even he'd been, uh, you know, railing against record labels and their control of all the channels that they had between the artist and his audience. And so I think he really saw an opportunity with the internet to circumvent that, to go directly to fans, which is something he really craved and really wanted. You know, I, I was talking to somebody else and I was saying that in a way the MPG Music Club was like, uh, besides a music distribution system, it was also like the Patreon of its time yeah. because, you know, it allowed it allowed fans to give money directly to Prince to say, hey, I support you directly. I want your music. And he would just give it directly to the fans. So, you know, I think that was definitely the part that, um, you know, was ahead of its time, certainly. Like he, he didn't... He didn't think about like, well, um, all the technical details. He just saw, it, saw an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of the technicality of it, how was it very easy to do? I, I remember when uh, MPG uh, Music Club came on and, uh, you know, I, I bought my subscription and I remember just navigating it. It was almost like an RPG game. Uh, right. of trying to find things and navigate. Oh, oh there's the studio. And then and <laughs> just... And for me, I was trying to find, oh, is there some way, something I've missed and just clicking on loads of different things. Um, how easy was that to do? Well, you know, it, um, it definitely evolved and changed. I mean, I, I think it was kind of a learning process for me, too, to try and figure out what the best way to do it um, was. And, you know, we tried different models in different years and different formats. And the house idea where you were walking around this space that came about uh, around the second year. And, you know, I think, you know, Prince had always kind of culturally been about creating a space, like creating another sort of universe, right? Like with his stage shows and with his movies. Yeah. And I think it was sort of the same thing. Like he wanted to create this space where the MPG could kind of be and exist and, and people could feel like they were, you know, more connected to a community. Uh, so I think that's kind of where the ideas of the house came around. And and technically, I mean, I think he really did want it to be like a 3D thing that you move around and, and zoom through. But, you know, the technology and, and this internet speed just weren't there at the time. You know, people, people forget that it was still a dial-up universe at that point. You know, we didn't have broadband. Um, and especially with an international audience, you know, we had fans who were in remote areas that had very limited access so we couldn't go too crazy with like huge files the file and, sizes down yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can relate and, i can relate um yeah. 
yeah it's just it was it, it was just such a and obviously you won a, a webby award um dare i ask mm-hmm. did you get to keep it or did prince get to keep the webby award no, I, I he actually got his own so <laughs> all right he cool. uh he got he got one for a lifetime achievement award and then he also got one for the mpg music club and so i made sure that i got my own and that he got his <laughs> and his stayed at paisley park and mine stayed at my house so i still have it yes um, that's yeah. awesome you have to you have to share a, a picture of that i'd like to share that it'd be quite kind of cool yeah i wonder if i have it sitting around uh no i don't think i do but uh. <laughs> but that's the thing though for me i don't think prince uh i don't know if you'll agree with me or not. i don't think prince gets the credit for the, the the what he achieved with his online presence you know he he opened the door he was one of the very very first like you said connecting to fans directly and almost like you know the Patreon kind of model of, you know, fans funding him. And, you know, it, it was such a, you know, he was definitely ahead of his time. And I don't think, you know, everyone's saying he's, you know, one of the greatest musicians of all time, but for his embrace of the internet and technology for the, for that, for that time, it was quite, you know, setting the standard. And, you know, I think a lot of people followed after that. Um, I don't know if you agree with that or not. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. I think um, you know, I one of the things that I did during that time too is I went to internet conferences and I would uh, be a part of panels and talks and things like that. And you know, I would say to people that it seems like it's easy for Prince because he's a superstar, blah blah blah. But it's a model that could work for anybody. You know, it's it's just a matter of what your what your goal is. If your goal is to get your music out to people who enjoy it, then the model can work for anybody. If your goal is to be on the cover of magazines and, um, you know, doing all these fancy red carpet things. That's a whole other game that uh, is separate from that. So, you know, that model of connecting directly to fans and selling music directly to fans, it, it, I think it could work for anybody. And certainly he was advocating that. He was advocating more artist control of their music, more artist control of, of what they're about and, and less relying on record labels to do everything like how it used to be. And I think that 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 has definitely changed now. I think artists have a lot more opportunities and a lot more um, choices when it comes to getting their music out. And how they distribute it. And obviously the Taylor Swift and the Spotify things that have happened, you know, over the years and stuff like that. It's it's been definitely interesting. Yeah. You also had a, you know, you worked on a lot of album covers and a lot of the artwork and like the, one of my favorite tour books is the 21 Nights um mm-hmm. tour books how, how did you get how did you go from the website stuff to the art direction stuff well prince and i you know we uh over the years we kind of built up a working relationship and, and you know it started very small where i was connecting with him mostly through um, online chats and things like that and then eventually as we got more comfortable with each other um, Steve Park was still around and Steve mm-hmm. was still doing great stuff. And um, I think at some point Steve just kind of got busy with other projects. Um, you know, it, it wasn't quite working out for him to come out all the time. And so Prince started saying, well, you know, is that something you could do? And he gave me the opportunity to give it a shot. And of course I jumped at it and uh, came to Paisley and I started doing small things here and there. I did some singles um, and then I think my first big project was the One Night Alone box set, where that was um, 
he had, he had already gotten Afshin Shahidi as a his tour photographer, and so he had all these all these great photos from the tour, and he wanted to do a live set, and you know he, he tapped me to be the one to put it all together into a box, and um, that's really just ha- kind of how it evolved. Like he's it, just saying, "Hey, I have a need. You you could do it, right?" And I said, "Yeah," and jumping in, and then. It worked There's a little out. part of me that's getting well. slightly envious there. <laughs> I would have loved to have done that, yeah. Um, but yeah. obviously that's been reissued this uh, this year as well. So um, yeah. did the estate reach out to you or? Yeah, I started, um, you know, Sony did the reissues and I started working with them around 3121 and Planet Earth. They were going to reissue those. And they uh, brought me on as a consultant to give them uh, art files and kind of clean things up a little bit. And that worked out well. So then when time came to reissue the box set, they thought that um, I would be the best person to do that because it was such a big project and um, there were so many moving parts to it. Uh, There was just a ton of material. So who best to do it than me who did it originally and also to kind of um, you know, keep the spirit of what we did back in 2002 and keep the spirit of Prince's intentions, what what his goal was with the box set and like how to kind of update that, but at the same time respect, um, you know, his vision of how that box set was. So, no, I was very fortunate that Sony tapped me to do that um, and the estate and uh, I was very grateful. Did you have a, a lot of the original files on backup or did they have access to it or how did they, they actually didn't have anything. <laughs> oh, right. Um, yeah, they didn't have any of the files. So um, I kept everything. I keep all my digital files. So I have everything that I ever worked on from then. It's a good working <laughs> process. Yeah, and I, you know, it's like every once in a while you have to move it to a new storage medium because, you know, back then they, there were Cyquest disks and uh, zip disks wow. and all yeah, kinds the- of crazy things. The big uh, green zip disks. Yeah. The big ones. Yeah, That's so, it, yeah. So, you know, I and and I burned everything to DVDs and like those degenerate too. So I got to transfer things off of that. So, yeah, I made made a point of saving everything. So then when, I, when they were opening Paisley Park, I gave them a bunch of stuff. Um, for 3121, I gave them a bunch of stuff. And then for the box set, I had everything. So it was definitely no problem. It, uh, I didn't have the same issue that Steve Park had with emancipation where things were just gone. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the thing. Always, but always back up your uh, artwork. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking uh, more of a geeky question. I love the t-shirt by the way. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, with the, uh, album and the single artwork, was that in Photoshop or Quark or I'm just trying to think of what packages were used back in yeah, like so back then it was a Quark world, so everything was yeah. in Quark. Uh, that was pretty much the standard. So you know, taking, doing the more creative imagery in Photoshop, and then bringing it into Quark to kind of put it all together with text and everything like that. So yeah, it was definitely a Quark universe back then. I do apologize now I'm doing for questions. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, now I'm doing everything in InDesign. So now, now it's yeah, in InDesign. That's um. Uh, that's a big requirement now. A lot of people in terms of the design world are asking, you know, obviously the big one Photoshop, but now obviously in design for magazines yeah. and artwork and stuff like that. Um, so out of all the projects that you worked on, was there any particular favorite or you, was there any artwork or design that you, you really liked? Yeah, definitely. My, my favorite has to be the 3121 album. Um, 
you know, that was an album that I felt like I really got to see evolve and change. We, you know, it was kind of a, it was kind of a two year project, like pretty much right after the musicology tour, you know, he started investing in Paisley Park again, getting it up to speed and then going out to LA a lot and throwing these parties. And, you know, the 3121 album started out as Lotus Flower. And so I did a whole package for Lotus Flower with just song titles and imagery. And uh, the original cover for that got used for the um, influence mural. It's the one where he's standing on the guitar and he's got his arms out. That was the original cover for Lotus Flower. Right. And um, it changed. There was a song in there called 3121. Then that became the title. And that was that his house out in LA. And so, you know, he moved houses. He changed the track list. There was going to be a movie. There wasn't going to be a movie. Um, you know, there was just so much, so much involved in that project that I got to see firsthand that uh, I really felt really connected to that record. And the, and the album cover, I really just enjoyed that. You know, I saw the picture that Afshin had taken. It's such a great picture. Yeah, and I thought, you know, that's, that's a perfect cover. It's like, it's a silhouette, perfect silhouette. It's got the album title right there. We don't need to have Prince doing sexy face to the camera. It's like, it's, you know, we have enough of that. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it just really, uh, it just felt like a really, you know, understated and, and great um, picture. So that, even though everything else about the, the, the booklet changed and the package changed, that cover stayed the same for a long time. And I was really happy that it made it to the final release too. And then obviously um, having the artwork in, in Vegas and stuff like that and, on the billboards and, you know, as an artist, that must be amazing to see. And, you know, it, it must, you must've got a lot of pleasure out of that. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, Vegas was, was crazy just cause they have so, you know, they do these things all the time, 24 seven all year. So they have, they have these teams. All you got to do is just give them the artwork. And then all of a sudden it's like all over, all over like a hundred different things. Uh, so yeah, Vegas was pretty amazing for sure. Cool. And out of all the websites that you worked on, obviously MPG Music Club would probably be your favorite, I guess, or was there other little projects or some of the other earlier sites? Were, was there any of particular favorites there? Or Yeah, I think definitely the MPG Music Club, you know, <clears throat> in um, 2004 to 2006, I felt like we really got into a good groove with it. Um, I got a, a Flash developer named Ash Warren to help out with some of the kind of heavy lifting with the Flash, and he really juiced it up a lot, made it very sharp. Um, you know, we started getting into more like mixing songs on the in the mixing console and having listening parties, and it was it was a it was a good time. I, I really enjoyed that side at that time. I really felt like it was a, a, a vibrant community for sure. Yeah, it was. I, I think that was one of the in terms of Prince's online presence. I think that would be the the, the the pinnacle and then I think things afterwards but I think that was the one where that you know it kind of brought the community together and um yeah I loved playing on the mixing board I remember doing that um <laughs> but one of the I don't think he was involved in it was the old very old interactive cd mm -hmm. I've always wanted a copy of it and it was only later on in life that I managed to get a copy of it and I put it in my PC and I was kind of reverse engineering it and going through the <laughs> files and, you know, and it was, you know, his, his embrace of technology was a massive influence on me and, and my career path. So, it, you know, I always, no, and it was, you know, it was in, incredible 
that you know I learned a lot and my skills that came from you know being a Prince fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, Prince Online Museum. Um, this was one of the, the the big topics I'd like to talk to you about. Um, how did that come about? <clears throat> well, you know, I think it goes back to what you were saying about uh, you know people not giving Prince enough credit for the things that he did. You know, I I had been talking with um, some people about possibly doing it when he was still alive, and then when he passed, it just seemed like the perfect time to to do it because. You know, there were going to be plenty of people doing tributes about the best bass solo or best concert. You know, of course, he deserves all that credit. But, you know, I wanted to be the advocate for this other part of his life, this other part of his culture. Um, and, you know, I connected with all the other webmasters that I could find and, um, you know, met with all of them, talked with them. They were all on board. So, um, yeah, it was really just a labor of love. And we, I wanted to make sure that people understood there was no money being exchanged. We weren't doing any advertising on there. It was all just like completely hundred percent free. And um, it was just put up there like as a museum, you know, like we just want to show this is what Prince did. This is a sort of snapshot of a moment in time and, you know, do little mini interviews with the people involved and talk about what, what the thought process was and just, really kind of draw attention to, you know, this is, this is something that he did that this was an accomplishment of his and it can easily get forgotten under the waves of purple rain nostalgia and all that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I really, like I said, I really wanted to be an advocate advocate for, you know, Prince's digital pioneering. Was it easy to track down all the, the previous webmasters? Was there like a handover process when you left Paisley park or anything like that or, um, no, not really. You know, when, when I, I ended my run, it was, uh, the end of 2007 and Prince had kind of said he was going to go on hiatus. He was going to take a break for a while and that wound up, wound up not necessarily being true, but, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But then, uh, no, he, he, he brought on the Lotus flower guys after me and I never talked to them, never met with them or anything like that. But you know, an interesting thing happened after he passed. I think people really started reaching out. And, um, you know, I, I talked to a ton of people who I hadn't spoken to in probably 10 years and a lot of uh, met a lot of new people, too. And so, you know, I reached out to these people and I said, hey, we have this shared experience. You know, we should meet up and talk about it. And so, I, you know, I came out to L.A. and I met the, the um, guys who did the Lotus Flower, talked to them. Um, and I met uh, met with some of the people who did work on projects in Minneapolis. And yeah, I think there was just this sense of like, you know, since he's passed, you know, we, and now it's a finite group of people who've worked with him. It's not going to get bigger that we have this kind of shared experience. We have this, you know, sense of community of people who got to be a part of something. Um, and so, yeah, everyone was really up for it. Everyone was really into it. And sorry, again, geeky question. Was it technically easy to put together uh, in terms of all the back end stuff and obviously the issues with Flash now and, and stuff like that? Um, it was challenging, you know, because, you know, Flash is definitely out of style and going away. And yeah, so, end of the year. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a lot of Flash there. And, and we kind of made the choice to not 
not update the technology. We want to keep it as is. So for instance, like none of it works on mobile. Um, no. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's very, uh, very static and very, this is how it was back then. So, you know, there are things that weren't going to work and things that weren't going to play out the same. And we tried to kind of rip out the database and just create static versions of things. So there's no dynamic content. It's all just sort of, this is how it was on this particular day, you know, and, and that's the way it's going to be. So yeah, there were definitely some challenges and I'm curious to see what, the end of flash is going to do to it. Yeah. Um, cause I remember seeing it, I think it was either on Facebook or, or Twitter that I found it and I was like, Oh, and I remember looking at it and it was like, Oh, how amazing was that? That, that, you know, that you've brought together all the previous websites and for one of my dissertations, I had to talk about preserving Wembley stadium in a digital environment. So like your archiving history using technology, and I thought it was just an amazing thing to just, you know, show the history. And like you said, appreciation of Prince's embrace of technology and uh, online. So I thought, I thought it was an amazing idea. So my question is, is there, has there been any talk with the estate of somehow in using that on either their website or having something at Paisley Park that, you know, that shows off the museum, the online museum? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, when we first put it up, it kind of um, it, there's still this active news cycle around Prince's death, so we got a lot of press for it, which was great. But it got the attention of the estate and the people who were there at the time, and they kind of took a frown to it and felt that it was, you know, it wasn't authorized, it wasn't official. You should shut it down, and so we did make it dark for a period of time, but once there was a regime change and those people were gone um we just decided to put it back up and i think the current people who are involved in the estate you know they don't see it as a threat they obviously were not making money off it um and of course they own all the images and they own all the the rights to them and that's that's fine but you know i've been talking to them a little bit and yeah like Obviously, things are evolving at, at Paisley. You know, I think you, you talked to your your team, talked to Alan about yeah. all the things that were going on over there. So, you know, I think there's there's bigger plans underway. And so I think it's definitely possible at some point that the museum could be integrated and, and a part of it for sure. Yeah, I'd love to see it as like a, like a kiosk or a PC that you can then, you know, and this is just me, you know, throwing my ideas out there of just, you know, having like an area dedicated to his embracement of technology and, you know, yeah. and showing off the, the, the previous websites and, you know, the interactive CD-ROM that he did. I, you know, I think that's, you know, I think both me and you agree that is part of his history that's not appreciated as much as it should be. Um, yeah, and, and our, our logo is in the, uh, in the rug, in, the, in one of the rooms. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. So people should know what it means. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a very valid, valid point. That is a valid point, yes. Um, but, uh, and I've had this discussion within the fan community that, you know, a good revenue stream for the estate would be to bring back the MPG Music Club. So I don't know, has there been any discussions of, of that with you that you can talk about? Um, no, there hasn't been any discussions directly about that. Um, you know, it's interesting like what what would an mpg music club be in the world of streaming in the world of social media it's it's uh 
certainly a very different paradigm now than it was back then. I mean, nowadays, you know, official websites aren't really that important to a lot of artists even. So, you know, official fan clubs, official websites, is that even a thing nowadays? And so it, it, there's there's some things to be thought through on that. Um, and I think if, if I did get asked to do that, I think I would start with doing a lot of research and just talking to fans and trying to find out what they want and what would work for them. Yeah, I think the conversations that I've had is that, you know, a, a subscription model, because, you know, you've got, you know, subscription services now is a, a big thing, you know, with online. Yeah. If the, if the content's there that people want and they want access to, I think they'll be willing to pay, you know, a monthly subscription. And, you know, I think it would, I think it'd be really good to bring back MPG music because obviously, you know, there's stuff that we still haven't heard or seen and, you know, exclusive right. content online. I think, you know, if you build it, they will come kind of, <laughs> that's my opinion anyway. Right. Well, you know, like we could have taken that sign of the times uh, box set and that could have lasted a whole year. <laughs> I think, I think, I think there's people still like going through it now. Um, yeah. We, we've got a, another upcoming uh podcast episode where we're going to you know deconstruct what we've got and you know there was unboxing videos and you know there's a lot of stuff to still digest and like you said it's probably going to take another year, a year yeah. or so um so what are you currently what are your current projects now or what have you been up to and and um, yeah so after prince i went to go work with pearl jam for a while and that must uh, have been amazing <laughs> yeah that was that was fun it was very different i mean they're very different musicians and their approach to the internet was also very different because they were kind of kind of hands off. Like I had to explain to them what Twitter was and like how they shouldn't be afraid of it. And <laughs> we weren't going to be tweeting out what Eddie Vedder had for lunch. So. Sorry about the lawnmower. That's lawnmower fine. day. <laughs> but so I, you know, I've done a lot of different things since then. But uh, more recently, um, I've started working with Avril Lavigne. She has a foundation. Um, that is actively raising awareness and money for uh, to fight Lyme disease. And we're doing a benefit uh, at the end of the month for a live stream benefit to, for her oh, foundation. Cool. So do, you have yeah, a, do you have a URL for that? If not, I can add it to the podcast. Yeah, it's just at avrillevine.com. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's been fun. Oh, cool. Um, so what's your, this is the other conversation I wanted to have with you about what are your thoughts about the internet and where do you think the technology is going and, um, and social media, your thoughts on social media? Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, I, I think, uh, I think streaming has really been a game changer. You know, I think we're in a, we're in a time where it's not about buying music anymore. It's about having access to music. So, we don't have these big, huge music collections necessarily like we used to. Now we just pay for access. And so I think that that's gonna keep happening where you know, the whole idea of owning something is gonna go away and it's just gonna be paying for access. So you know, I think that, that there's good and bad to that, but I think you know, it's, it's really great because for a lot of people, it allows them to listen to things and hear things that maybe they wouldn't have had been able to get to before you know for instance like this the sign of the times box set you know everybody who has spotify or itunes or title they can all dig into it and listen to it and hear the remastered versions and maybe they wouldn't have if uh, 
if it was just up to them to spend $150 on something yeah. like that. Uh, and so there's a lot of other music too, where I know if I hear something on the radio, I can go to Spotify, I can, or even if on the playlist that they make too, like I can just find new music that way, new artists, just seems a lot easier. Um, and I think social media is part of that too. I think, you know, the communities that we had on forums and message boards, it's just so much easier to do it on Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, I, I feel connected to a lot of, a lot of people um, in a way that I hadn't in quite a while since, since the message board, there's kind of that gap. There. Yeah. I don't think I've been on a message board for probably about five years, probably. I've not, it, so it, you know, when it moved to Facebook and Twitter, it just, you know, I remember building forums and, you know, PHP, mm-hmm forums and stuff like that and I remember how important it was to manage and stuff like that and now it's just you just have Facebook groups and, and Facebook and, and yeah stuff it's like great that. Um, and you can connect with people that way and also you know I've noticed since the pandemic and all that that there's been these online uh, twitch parties which have been a lot of fun too like uh, there's a few that I go to and and you know people just play friends music and hang out and chat and it's, you know, I think yeah. that's really cool too yeah, we've we did one a couple of months ago. We did an online streaming Twitch party um, because obviously we do Prince party events and stuff, right. and and a lot of our fans and our community were like, "We want, we want. Can you do it? Can you do something?" So okay. I managed to get some DJs, and it was like, "Oh, you know, we we can stream it on Twitch," and we did it on Twitch, and there was no you know copyright issues. Um, whereas Instagram and Facebook, there's, you know as soon as the audio audio detects it's it, it's cut right. off so um yeah and i think with the pandemic and everything i think technology's evolved um i learned a lot just you know working from home and stuff and there was certain things that i couldn't do and i've kind of figured out during lockdown um which has been very interesting but i think people have been a lot more productive and i think you know technology has evolved and you know who heard of zoom before pan- the pandemic you know it's right. it's new technologies and stuff like that yeah, um yeah. before i forget i know one of my co-presenters wanted to ask about uh the rainbow children 2 artwork or the album if, the, if there's anything you can talk about that uh yeah so i know he he'd gotten um he bought that illustration of himself, the one that people know, that kind of very angular illustration. He bought that yeah. illustration and he contacted the artist uh, to make one for his then wife, Manuela. So he made one for her and he gave it to me and he said, let's make that the cover of, of Rainbow Children too. And I said, okay. But I mean, that was pretty common where he would just kind of give me things and say, you know, I just want to see what it looks like, do a mock-up. Um, of what a potential cover could look like. That happened all the time. And I would say at least three quarters of the time, like it didn't go anywhere. So um, that was one of those projects where he had me work up some artwork, but I never saw a track list. I never saw any music for it. If he'd recorded something, I never heard it. So that's really, for me, that's as far as it went. I just did that, that cover of the album and, that was it. Okay. Um, in terms of going back to Prince, um, I always felt that he was very creative and he had a very good eye for art. And he, I felt that he was very good at art. 
and he could be very, very creative. Was it very easy to work with him? Was it very easy to bounce off of him and, and, and the creative process? How was that with him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously Prince cared a lot about his visual presentation. You know, you definitely see that through his whole career uh, with fashion, with his tours, with his videos and movies. So, you know, I always felt that like when it came to the graphic design stuff, if, if he knew Photoshop, like I wouldn't be there because like he would much rather just do it all himself. You know, he had ideas, he had strong opinions and he was more than, more than happy to kind of sit there and, you know, change this, change that, move that around. I like that font. I don't like that font. So he was very hands-on. And um, I think that our relationship our working relationship worked out really well because I was willing to um, kind of defer to his vision. Like I wasn't going to get a big ego about it and say, well, I think it should be like this and argue with him. It was more like, well, you know, if that's what you want, your name's going on it. So I'll let's, let's do it and try to make something that he's happy with. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was very involved, very, and I, I like that. I, you know, I, I like people who are very upfront about their opinions. I don't like wishy-washy or it's like, you like it, you don't like it, you hate it. You want me to do it over? I can handle that. Yeah. I've had things when I've designed stuff and you present it and they don't like it, but they don't tell you what they don't like or how you can fix it. And it's like you do multiple right. designs until it's like, all oh, right, they, they like that. So yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely relate, but I always said, and I've said this to other people in the community that I, I feel that there was a graphic designer in him. Yeah. That, 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 that could have been a career, a career path for him. Um, obviously we were granted with his uh, musical genius, but I, I, I could, his whole career, I could always feel that he, he had a graphic design and a, a very good eye for detail and mm -hmm. even the smallest detail. Um, so, yeah. Um, is there anything else you would like to, is there anything else that you've, got coming up or anything apart from uh no no that's about it um you know hopefully the uh hopefully i'll continue that relationship with sony and we can do more reissues it'd be great if they put out the uh chocolate invasion and slaughterhouse cds yes that was that was what i was gonna ask is that yeah it'd be great to get you know because obviously it was digital it'd be great to you know see them come together as some package as well yeah, I'd really love to put together something, you know, kind of an expanded thing where, um, you know, I could sort of put together a whole package with it where it talks about the club and, and shows some of the sketches of how these things evolved um, and just talks about that period of time. It'd be great if, it, if they are up for that project. Hopefully they are. Well, hopefully they're listening, so I'm sure it might happen. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, do you want to give out your website details and your social media details so people can sure. follow you? And Yeah, um, people can always go to my website at samjennings.com and everything's there. Or you can find me online at, at samjennings3000 on Instagram um, and Facebook. So, yeah, that's samjennings.com is where I'm, I'm at. And that's where I've been cyber-stalking you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sam. It's been an absolute pleasure and sorry yeah, if you. I was geeking out too much or. No, you know. no problem. You're great. <laughs> um, you've been a hero of 